following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Job 1, verse 1. The Bible says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Again, we're still in the introduction, amen. Remember Brother Silcox used to say, he said, I think I'm being the introduction for, I don't know, he's weird that way. And he did take, he had long introductions and then long messages. So I wonder where I got it, amen. Uh, Again, we're still in the introduction, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for thy goodness, thy mercy, thy grace. Father, thank you uh, for all that you do for us. And Father, sometimes we we let the things of life uh, disturb us, upset us, anger us, and and uh, discourage us. And Father, Lord, help us to get our eyes on the Lord. And Father, to rejoice in the Lord, as the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Father, I don't know but, it, but anybody in this room who has anything that should keep us from rejoicing. God, help us to do so. And Father, bless the time we look into thy word this, this evening. Lord, help me to teach the word of God tonight. And Lord, help us to take something away with us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, the introduction of the book of Job. And uh, as we began to talk about the book of Job last week, we talked about the question of whether Job was a real person or not. We uh, we know, and as I was studying, and as I am studying for this book, uh, it's amazing sometimes the things that people write about the Bible and the things that they say about people in the Bible that we know is just plain not true. And they, um, a lot of people believe that this book is a, a, an allegory. Or a, a, it's a, an illustration of truth. It's symbolic, but it's not an actual real person. We found it in Ezekiel 14, if you look there with me, Ezekiel 14. <clears throat> God does speak to that issue in Ezekiel 14 and looking at uh, verse 13. The Bible says, Son of man, when the land... Sin against me by transgression grievously, then I will stretch out my hand upon it and will break the staff of bread thereof and will send famine upon it and will cut off uh, man and beast from it. Though these three men, uh, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should not deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. So again, the Lord does uh, say plainly that Job is a real person. And uh, if you will, Jeremiah 15 and 1, Jeremiah 15 and 1, you know, uh, the Bible, you know, the Bible says, yeah, let God be true and every man a liar. You know, sometimes uh, men, uh, we, you know, sometimes we follow men because of what the, we, you know, by, because of the term scholar. You know, sometimes people think, well, uh, you know, those are scholars, they should know. And, and, you know, they say they study the languages. You know what, folks? I thank God that God gave us a book in our own language. He translated the Word of God, gave us a perfect translation in our language. You know, I read some of these commentaries, and these guys are doing Greek studies, and they're looking at all the words and everything else, and all I can think is, oh, no, wait, wait a second. God's already translated for us His Word. Why do we need to retranslate the Word of God you know, I'd rather, I'd rather look up, if there's a difficult word, look up the English word, see if I can't learn, learn a little bit more from the English word. You know, that's why I use the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. It's not the 
It's not the last thing in terms of definitions, but it's simple. And they often use, oftentimes I'll find the very word I'm looking at in a particular text is used in that dictionary. And I appreciate that because I'm not a Greek scholar. I was talking to the preacher, the last missionary, he said he took Greek studies and, and uh, he said it was difficult uh, learning Greek, but you know, and he has to because of language issues that he's going to be dealing with. Sometimes we have to do that, but why do we have to retranslate the Bible? We don't have to. In Jeremiah 15 and 1, then said the Lord unto me, though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. So, you know, a lot of the people in the Bible are real people, amen. Most of them who are named are in James chapter 5, if you look there with me, James chapter 5 and uh, verses 10 through 11, 10 and 11. The Bible says, Take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen at the end of the Lord that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Now he's talking about not only Job as a person, but that the things that we have recorded in God's word uh, are true about what jo Job went through these things. And it's important, I think God has given us these things so that we can learn from them, learn about Him. And there's many things that we'll learn from all of this. And if you will, look with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Looking at verse 12, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, Though you know them and be established in the present truth, yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting in, in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. He's talking about the fact that he's, uh, God has inspired him to write a record of these truths, and we have them in First and Second Peter. But he says something important in verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. You know, folks, God hasn't given us in the book of Job some kind of a fairy tale or cunningly devised fable in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, <clears throat> looking at verses 6 through 8. 1 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8, the Bible says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wise fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the, uh, the promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. He says, refuse profane and old wise fables. You know, the, there are lots of them going around. As a matter of fact, the Jews were famous uh, for that kind of thing. If you look with me to Titus, Titus chapter 1. And it must have been a very prevalent thing because Paul addresses it repeatedly. In Titus 1, <clears throat> and uh, if you will, 
Look at verse 14, and not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. And you know, it's, a, it's amazing sometimes that, uh, again, when you read some of these kinds of things, read, read these different uh, commentaries and what men say about the Bible, uh, sometimes we're talking about things that will actually turn people away from the truth of God's word, even throwing doubt upon the veracity, the truthfulness of God and the Bible. And, you know, I read these things and I take them with a grain of salt. And I'm not going to quote these men, but sometimes I'm amazed at the things that I read and the things that are said about the Bible, even the book of Job. And we know that, folks, it's not an allegory. It's not a, just some made up story for illustration purposes. Well, if you look back with me to Job 1 and verse 1, <clears throat> Job 1 and verse 1, <clears throat> the Bible says there was a man in the land of us. The second we want to talk about is the question of when and where he lived. Now, us is on the corner of, uh, no, <clears throat> you know what, uh, Again, we're talking about things that are sometimes not easily determined. Uh, the land of us is spoken of in some, in some senses in the Bible. Look with me to Genesis. Again, it's not a fairy land. Uh, Genesis chapter 10. Again, you know, it's amazing how much controversy or lack of understanding of where some of these places are. But in Genesis chapter 10, beginning in verse 21, the Bible does give us some indications. Unto Shem also... The father of the children, all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth, the elder, even to him were children uh, were children born. The children of Shem, Elam, and uh, Asher, and Arphaxad, and Lud, and, and why did I pick this passage? <laughs> Amen. Must have been out of my mind. <laughs> this is these aren't too bad. <laughs> Aram and uh, Aram Uz and Hull and Gether and, Ma and Mash. Mash. Can you imagine? This is my little son, Mash. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and our facts said begat Selah, Selah, and Selah begat Eber. And to Eber were born two sons. Uh, the name of one was Peleg. Oh, then that's cute, too. Peleg. <laughs> wow. We think we have strange names today. Amen. For in his days was the earth divided, and his brother's name was Joktan, and Joktan begat Almodad and Shelef and Hazar Maveth and Jira and, and Hodoram and Uzzel and Dikla and Hobel and Abimiel and Sheba and Ophir. You know, quit laughing. You ought to be up here reading this stuff. You're doing a great job, you know. You know, I read somewhere where um, uh, even the guy, who is it that uh, does the Bible reading? Yeah. You know what? I read somewhere where he said, you know what? He struggled with those, these words. He just said, I just start reading, and I do the best I can, hoping that it's going to turn out. That's kind of what we're doing here, hoping it's going to turn out. But anyway, the reality is, and you will back up to where it talks about the fact that Aram begat us. Now, us is not speaking, it's speaking of a person, but oftentimes, uh, People name lands after themselves. It, it, the indication here is, is that Uz was of the line of Shem and one of the three sons of Noah, and that he, if you will, named a land after him. And 
Jeremiah 25 and verse 20. Jeremiah, yeah, Jeremiah 25 and 20. Yeah, reading those words is a little comic relief. Wow. Not for me, but Jeremiah 25 and 20. Next time I'm going to have some of you come up and volunteer. Amen. Jeremiah 25 and uh, verse 20. The Bible says, And all the mingled people and all the kings of the land of Uz and all the kings of the land of the Philistines and Ashkelon and uh, Aza and Ekron and the remnant of Ashdod. So he's talking about the land of us. So obviously uh, the, the possibility is, and let me say this, it's hard to be absolutely firm. Okay, we, we have some indications as to uh, where this land is and, uh, and who it was named after. Lamentations chapter 4. Lamentations chapter 4. And verses 20 and 21, I'm going to say this, I'm not going to be dogmatic about something you can't be dogmatic about. You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes preachers make a mistake at, at insisting that certain things are a certain way when they don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to do that for us tonight. In Lamentations 4 and 21, the Bible says, Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, that dwellest in the land of us. The cup also shall pass through uh, unto thee, and thou shalt be drunken, and make thyself naked. The punishment of thine iniquity is accomplished, O daughter of Zion. He will no more carry thee away into captivity. He will visit thine iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will discover thy sin. So again, it refers to the land of us, no doubt, and more than likely named after uh, the man us. Wow, that's not, that's not hard to spell. Get a picture of that? Can you write your name out here for me? Us. Yeah. Job 1, Job 1, I should have named Joel Uz, that way it would have been easier for him to write his name, as if Joel's hard, amen. Job 1, and look at verse 3, his substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen. 500 she-asses, a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. Again, this indicates uh, the possibility of where this land was. And uh, 1 Chronicles uh, 17, 1, 1 Chronicles 1, uh, I was talking to somebody the other day at, uh, at work, uh, my boss, as a matter of fact, he says to me, he said, so what do you think of the book of Chronicles? I said, you don't want to ask me that question. <laughs> he says, I'm in the book of Chronicles. I'm trying to, to read through these. So what do you suggest? I suggest skipping it. <laughs> he said, what? He said, you're a preacher. You suggest skipping it? I said, you know, I, every chance I get, I skip that book. No. I said, you know, I said, you know what I do? I said, when I get to that book, I, I go to the Bible on tape and I listen to that book. I don't like to read that book. You say, preacher, you're terrible. I have read through it. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's trying to read through uh, the Bible in a year. I said, good luck with Chronicles. First <clears throat> Chronicles 1 and verse 17. <clears throat> and the sons of Shem and Elam and Asher and our, oh, wow. Our facts that in Lud and Aram and Uz and Hull, and Gether, and uh, uh, Meshach. Again, so we're talking about a land, 
and uh, a place, uh, a land, uh, no doubt, in the east. And as, you, as I read about this, and again, the commentators are all over the place. The indication, according to what the Bible says and what have you, it seems to be a land just to the east of the Dead Sea, around Idumea. And that seems to be the best indication of where this land of us is. Although if you look at the map, you're probably not going to find it listed as the land of us. Just like there are some places in North Dakota, you're not going to find on the map. Amen. But they do exist. <clears throat> Even the place where I live. Amen. <clears throat> but uh, and then the question of where, or excuse me, when he lived. <clears throat> there is some uh, debate concerning that kind of thing. The reality is, is that uh, no one knows exactly when he lived. The indication seems to be Again, looking back to, um, look at Genesis 22, Genesis 22, that he was uh, <clears throat> related in some ways to Terah, which was the father of Abraham. And again, no one is absolutely certain about it. <clears throat> This is not the passage I was looking for. Yeah, okay. Look, if you will, to uh, verse 20, uh, Genesis 22. It came to pass after these things it was told Abraham, Abraham, saying, Milcah, she hath also borne children unto thy brother Nahor, Huz, his first name. And there's some that believe that Huz is us. Well, we don't know that for sure either. And Buzz, Huz and Buzz. <laughs> You know, what a service tonight. Huzz and buzz. And his brother, uh, Kemuel, and the father, Aram, and, and Chesedez, and oh boy. But anyway, the indication or this, the assumption among all of these scholars is this, that he could have possibly been uh, in living in the time of Terah. And remember, he lived a long time, so he was still not that far away from the flood, and it took some time before the, the, uh, the, the length of the life of man uh, slowly began to get shorter. And we know that uh, Job lived longer than Abraham and others, so they, they, the consensus is, again, that he could have been a contemporary of Terah, the father of Abraham, or lived before that. Now, there's no indication that he wrote anything and the, that there was any writing or, or, or understanding of Job concerning uh, the uh, destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. He had no knowledge of, of uh, Israel or anything like that. Uh, all those were things that happened after he lived. There's nothing in the book of Job that indicates that he knew of those things, but we will talk about some of the things that he did know. Now, the question of the authorship of the book. Again, there's a lot of controversy concerning that, but if you look with me to Job 19, Job 19, <clears throat> say, why are you talking about all the controversy? It gives me something to talk about, amen? <laughs> we, I want you to understand sometimes uh, what men say about these kinds of things, and then we'll see if we can't pin it down to more of what's most important, and that's what God says in Job 19 and 23. 
Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. That they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. Now again, here's another issue. There is some uh, uncertainty as to who wrote the book of Job. Some believe that Moses could have wrote the book or some other author later on. I remember this before Moses, God led Moses to write the first five books of the Bible. There was no written words of God. It was, it was the, the things that men knew of God were transmitted by oral tradition. That's why, folks, do you know something? This book is so important and such a blessing that you and I can have it and look back to it to know about God and, and to know about the Christian life, to know what to do. Amen? And yet it's amazing how, how much men did know without an actual written Bible. But uh, concerning the authorship of this, there are those that do believe that Job did write the book after the, afterward. You know, we don't know. There's nothing in the Bible that indicates that Job himself wrote it or, or who exactly did write it. It's, there's no indication that Moses uh, was the human. And I say author, we're talking about the human author. Look with me to 2 Timothy 3. But we know who the genuine, real author is of all Scripture. Amen. In 2 Timothy 3 and verses 16 and 17, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Inspiration of God, God breathed, amen. God spoke these things, and we have them recorded, spoke through men to us. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Again, Second Peter 1. 2 Peter 1. <clears throat> And <clears throat> verses uh, 19 through 21, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts, knowing this first that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not at all time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And we've talked about this many times. And you know what, folks? We need to have it settle in our minds and hearts, if we can, if, that God is the author of this book. God spoke through men. God moved on men to see to it that we have all that we need, that per, all that uh, pertains to life and godliness. Eternal life, this life, and godliness is found in the inspired Word of God, if you'll look with me to Isaiah 8 and verse 1. Isaiah 8 and verse 1. <clears throat> the Bible says, Moreover, the, the Lord said unto me, here's Isaiah the prophet, Take thee a great roll and write it with a man's pen concerning, wow, <laughs> this guy. Amen. And I took unto me faithful witness, witnesses to record Uriah and uh, the priest and Zechariah, the son of Jer... Jer, Jer yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I can't get my mouth around these words tonight. The important thing is, is God told him 
to take a pen. And you know, the Bible, when they wrote the books of the Bible, they didn't have this. And you know, they didn't have chapter divisions and numbered uh, verses. They just sat down and started writing. And when they were done, they rolled up the roll, and here's a book, a book of the Bible. I can't imagine trying to have your own copy of the Bible, and you'd have to have a, you know, a huge cabinet to keep all the scrolls, the rolls, amen. But uh, they were written under the direction of God in Isaiah 30, and uh, verse 8. You know what? Uh, pray for me. It's the middle of the week, and uh, there are just some things I just couldn't tackle today. Isaiah 30 and verse 8. Now go write it before them in a table, noted in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and forever. Amen. And what we have is a Bible that is forever and forever. Amen. If you will, in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 and verses 17 and 18. Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. And folks, when, oftentimes when you read, the, read this indication of the law and the prophets, oftentimes he's talking about the entire Old Testament. Though they don't mention the poetical books per se, those are comprehended in speaking about the law and the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill for verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. The reality is God's given us an eternal book, the Bible. Amen. In the Bible, we have the book of Job. And as we are trying to study this book and to understand the book, and as I've tried to give us some kind of an introduction to it, uh, we are left, and as you know, and you know, you think, well, preacher, you don't really know that much about it. You know, you should read the writings of these guys I'm talking about. They don't know either. This guy says, well, I think it could be this. This guy says, well, I think it could be this. And this guy quotes this guy, and this guy quotes that. Okay, what are we left with? The Bible. And what we do know, look would be to Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29, and that's okay, even if the pastor can't read it, amen. Deuteronomy 29, <clears throat> you know, I used to have people, men read from the, I used to have men read passages, I may go back to that, amen. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. Now, you know what, folks? Can, can I say with absolute certainty who the human author was of the book of Job? No. Can I say with absolute certainty that I, knew where the, that I know where the, uh, the land of Uz is? No. Preacher, what do you know? <laughs> as much as the Bible tells us, and we can comprehend from it. You know, sometimes, and I'm amazed at this, but sometimes so much time and energy is put into trying to determine things that we can't determine. And to me, maybe I'm just too simplistic, but to me some of that's a waste of time. And it's sad because in the course of studying for these things, 
I realize that a lot of time, a lot of energy, and maybe even sincere desire went into trying to determine things that in all reality are probably just not that important. Because if they were that important, we would have a clarity about them so that we could use them. Amen. What we do have and what we do find in the scripture and the things we're going to learn as we move forward in the study, folks, those are things we can, you know, folks, those are things we can use for uh, the foundation of our life. Amen. Use for direction in our life. Use for an understanding of the God of the heavens. Amen. And that's where we're going to spend most of our focus as we get into this book further. Amen. And we are officially done with the introduction. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.